Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. As we get into chapter 14, uh, specifically, and 15, it begins really this layout of the land about how God was going to divide this land of Canaan to the different tribes. And you have to remember that this is a happy day. This is a great happy day for the children of Israel because they've already did the big battles. The big battles are over with. And now God was going to bring them into the land, and they're supposed to work out these little skirmishes between these little pockets of rebellion that are going on. They, they were, as they were to inherit the land, they were to take care of those things as they inherited them. Welcome to our Bible study on Truth in Christ Radio. We are so glad that you could join us today. As Pastor Rob begins our study in chapter 14 of the book of Joshua, we see how God has given orders long ago to divide the promised land. And now, after the battles of the nations within the promised land were done, the dividing began. In the process, Joshua and Eleazar along with representatives from each tribe, came together to supervise the casting of lots, which was directed by the Lord. Let's join Pastor Rob now as he begins our study for today. If you recall the last time we got together, we looked at Joshua chapter 13. And Joshua chapter 13 was a chapter where even though the children of Israel had conquered their major battles, you know, they conquered Jericho, they conquered Ai after the second attempt, they conquered Gabeon, they conquered, or conquered the kings in the south, and they also went north and conquered the kings in the north. And uh, these were the big cities, the really big um, contingents of people. Those are the ones they went after. But that wasn't it. There, there were still... Lands. There were still um, places where they had to go in and destroy and, and, and to um, occupy those lands. And again, in our culture today, we don't like the thought of anybody dispossessing anyone else. It seems unfair. It seems uh, horrible. And, and certainly in the uh, culture we live in today, it's not even politically correct. But back in this day, um, you've got to remember that God reserves the right to bring against any people group on the planet, he has the right to bring upon judgment upon them if they are continuing in their sin and in their idolatry, and he has that right to do that. And so, and that's exactly why God brought the children of Israel into the land of Canaan, was to dispossess and to destroy literally every person, uh, man, woman, and child, and dispossess their land. And, and that's hard, and that's really hard. But God told them to do it, 
and for the most part, they were successful. They, they did the major campaign, and, and now as we get into uh, Joshua chapter 14 and 15, the major campaigns are all over with. Now it's a question of getting into the land, dividing the land for the inheritances for the children of Israel. And if you'll notice on the screen behind me, and for those of you who may be listening on the radio, this is just a, a, a picture of, of the land of Israel and how the different 12 tribes are partitioned in the land according to different color codes You'll, um, along the uh, east side of the Jordan, you have Reuben down at the bottom, and then Gad in the middle, and the Manasseh at the very top, and then over to the left of that in the north, you have Naphtali and Asher, and underneath that, Zebulun, underneath that, Issachar, underneath that, Manasseh, and underneath that, Ephraim and Dan and Benjamin and Judah and Simeon, which is kind of like encapsulated in the center of Judah. Uh, and so I'm just going to leave this graphic up here on the screen as we read uh, these two chapters today. In fact, I might even just leave it up there as we go through the next couple of weeks. It just kind of gives you an idea of what we're looking at. Although we won't be going through every single town that's going to be inhabited, they'll be listed here, and I'm sure to butcher their names for you. And so we're going to look at those all tonight. But before we do that, I want to share something with you, and that is... As we get into chapter 14, uh, specifically, and 15, it begins really this layout of the land about how God was going to divide this land of Canaan to the different tribes. And you have to remember that this is a happy day. This is a great happy day for the children of Israel because they've already did the big battles. The big battles are over with. And now God was going to bring them into the land, and they're supposed to work out these little skirmishes between these little pockets of rebellion that are going on. They, they were, as they were to inherit the land, they were to take care of those things as they inherited them, as they inherited those places. But it's a happy day because the major battles are over. There's a big sigh of relief. There's a big sigh of relief. But I want to show you something really interesting. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 15 because this... What we're reading tonight is the, is the summation, really, of what God had promised hundreds of years prior to Abram. And I would encourage you, in this chapter 14, maybe just make a note of, of, this, of this chapter, of Genesis 15, because it's where God pronounces his, his covenant with Abram. Not only telling Abram, as we're going to read, we'll just read it quickly, not only um, promising him that his seed would be as, as large as the sand of the sea and as, as, as the stars are in multitude, they would be that many, but he also promised them a land, the very land that Abram was in at that time. He was physically in the land of Judah uh, at the time, even, and this is way back in, 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 you know, in Genesis, so the land hadn't been partitioned yet, but we know from the previous chapter that Melchizedek from Jerusalem, which wasn't even really uh, Jerusalem yet, although he was the king of Jerusalem, uh, Melchizedek, that he was right there in the king's valley, somewhere in that area, which is really the valley of Kidron. Uh, and we know that from other places in the Bible where it talks about um, Solomon's, or I'm sorry, uh, Absalom's uh, tomb. You see that tomb in Israel that looks like this? It looks like a, like a pyramid kind of with sides on it. It looks like a house with a pyramid. Well, that's Absalom, or a conish shape on the top, actually. And that's uh, what they call Absalom's tomb, and that's in the King's Valley, which is what we, um, where Abram was. And so we know he's right in the smack dab in the middle of the land of Judah 
as we would know it today. But let's just read it because it's important because, again, this is the promise that was given to Abram hundreds of years ago. And what we're going to be reading tonight, these two chapters are going to go by pretty quick. They're not, we don't have to spend a lot of time in them, but it's the summation the summation of these promises that God made to Abram, and subsequently he made to Isaac, and he made them to Jacob as well. He reiterated them, and we're not going to go through those. We spent quite a bit of time in Deuteronomy speaking of that. But he is going to give him, and this is called the Abrahamic Covenant. The Abrahamic Covenant. So let's just read it really quickly, just down for a certain time. It says, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. But Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me, seeing I go childless, and the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus? And then Abram said, Look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This one will not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. And so Abram, you know, he's an old man, and he's hearing this promise. And Sarah's going to hear this promise, and she's going to giggle inside because she's an old woman. They're thinking, I'm past my childbearing years. Sorry, buddy. That's just not going to happen, right? And God goes, did, did, did Sarah laugh? And she said, no, I didn't laugh. He goes, she's, and God says, oh, but you did laugh. You did laugh. So Abram said, look, you've, and, and, and so verse 4, And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This one shall not be your heir, but one who shall come from your own body shall be your heir. And then he brought him outside and said, Look, now toward the heaven and count the stars if you're able to number them. Have you ever been out on, the, on a starry night or on a clear sky, especially if you're away from any cities? Had this opportunity this last summer when we were up in the Adirondacks. And there's no cities around. You're out there in the middle of the sticks, and it's, it's desolate. And all you see is trees, bears, lions, tigers. Oh, my. It's just complete darkness, and you're sitting there with your flashlight shaking in your boots, waiting for morning to show up. No, I'm only kidding. But you're, you're out there, and you look up at the sky. And I'll never forget one night, I stood upon this great big rock, and I'm looking up right in the bathroom. You know what I'm talking about, right, Scott? right at the, across the bathroom from where our sights are. And I'd stand up on that rock, and I'd look straight up, and all I could see was just the galaxy, the, the stars, and everything was so... The resolution seemed like it was... Like I was looking at a... It was just like a high-resolution display, and there was no lights all the way around. The only lights were those illuminated from the sky. You could see the galaxies and the, the faint distance of, of, the, of, the, of the, the, the Milky Way. I mean, just this crazy sort of thing. And that's what Abram's doing. He's looking up, and, he, and I'm sure back up, they didn't have cities like, like we have them now. And so can you imagine, just vision it in your mind. He's, he's looking up, and he's seeing this. And so God tells him, and here's the promise, part of the promise, part A of the promise. He says, look toward heaven and count the stars if you're able to number them. And he said to him, so shall your descendants be. So there's part one of the promise. And notice, and Abram believed in the Lord, and he accounted it to him for righteousness. And then God said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldees, modern-day Iraq, okay? So I brought you out of the Ur of the Chaldees to give you this land, this land, Abram, that you're standing on, which is right around this area of Judah. I'm giving you this land to inherit it. And he said, Lord God, how shall I know that I will inherit it? And so God gives him an unconditional promise. 
He does what some of the old patriarchs used to do. When they would make a promise, when a promise was made, when two people were involved in a covenant, what would happen is they would take an animal and they would literally cut the animal in half. Sounds kind of disgusting. Can you imagine the boardrooms across America? It'd be a mess. So they would divide the animal in half, and both parties would walk through the pieces of that sacrifice. In other words, and the idea behind that custom was that if I break this covenant that we're about to make, may this be me. (laughs) May I be the one cut in half. That's how severe it was. But you'll notice as you look further on in the narrative here that Abram doesn't go through those pieces. God puts him to sleep. God alone walks through those two pieces of these animals that are sacrificed, that are divided in half. God alone walks through those. In other words, it's unilateral. It's a unilateral covenant. It's an unconditional promise, not based on uh, any performance of Abram. God says, I'm going to do it, and I'm going to do it. And he does, and he has. Now, there were other covenants. There were other things, times, blessings, their obedience, Israel, when they got into land, were tied to their obedience. The blessings were tied to their obedience to God. And also their disobedience was tied to their chastening as well. And so here is the promise. And can you understand that what we're looking at tonight is the summation of that promise? And happy are they. Can you imagine? Hundreds of years have gone by. The promise has been in your family for hundreds of years, and finally it comes to pass. Older than this country. You know, you figure our, com- our country was really born 1776, really. And how many years has that been? Just over 300 and some years, or whatever it is, 400 years? Close to that. 350 years, something like that. I can't do my math. Somebody knows. But it's somewhere between 300 and 400 years. And yet, it's even further than this. Think of the promises that God has given, and finally it comes to pass. What a joyful, joyful day. So let's just read, because it's such a short chapter, let's read chapter 14, and then we're going to go back and look at it, and then we'll get right into chapter 15, which doesn't require a great deal of exposition, really. And so let's read it. It says, These are the areas which the children of Israel inherited in the land of Canaan. And before we go any further, um, in chapter 13, if you recall, we already looked at the inheritance that God had given or that Moses had given to uh, those two and a half tribes, the tribe of Reuben and Gad and the half tribe of Manasseh. They inherited that land on the east side of the Jordan. And so now we're going to look at, beginning now in this chapter, the land on the west side of the Jordan River. So these are the areas which the children of Israel inherited in the land of Canaan, which Eleazar the priest, Joshua the son of Nun, and the heads of the fathers of the tribes of the children of Israel distributed as an inheritance to them. And their inheritance was by lot. Notice that. As the Lord had commanded by the hand of Moses, for the nine tribes and the half-tribe, For Moses had given the inheritance of the two tribes and the half-tribe on the other side of the Jordan, which is on the east side where the sun rises. Amen? (laughs) But to the Levites he had given no inheritance among them, for the children of Joseph were two tribes, Manasseh and Ephraim, and they gave no part to the Levites in the land except cities to dwell in with their common lands for their livestock and their property as the Lord had commanded Moses. And so the children of Israel did, and they divided the land. 
Then the children of Judah came to Joshua in Gilgal, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, said to him, You know the word which the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, concerning you and me in Kadesh Barnea. I was forty years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to, to spy out the land, and I brought back word to him as it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people melt. But I wholly followed the Lord my God. And so Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land where your foot has trodden shall be your inheritance and your children's forever, because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. And now, behold, the Lord has kept me alive, as he said, these 45 years, ever since the Lord spoke this word to Moses while, Moses, or while Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now, here I am, this day, 85 years old. And yet, I am as strong this day as the day that Moses sent me. And just as my strength was then, so is my strength for war, both for going out and for coming in. Now, therefore, give me this mountain of which the Lord spake in that day. For you have heard in that day how the Anakim were there, and that the cities were great and fortified. It may be that the Lord will be with me, and I will be able to drive them out, as the Lord said. And Joshua blessed him and gave Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, as an inheritance. Hebron, therefore, became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, to this day because, and here's the reason why I like this and want to underline this, because he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. What a great thing. And the name of Hebron, Hebron formerly was Kirjath Arba. Arba was the greatest man among the Anakim. And then the land had rest from war rest for more. So we're going to go back and look at this again, but we see just God now beginning to divide the land. And what's interesting, you're going to find is it's, uh, as we go through chapter 14 and 15 and 16 and 17, um, the only ones that are really going to conquer and actually take possession of the land up until chapter 18 is really just Judah and the house of Joseph. And the house of Joseph, if you remember, is broken up into two, two different tribes, Ephraim and Manasseh. And you know that Manasseh was uh, the firstborn, and Ephraim, and, and so there are three, uh, three tribes there. And so they were the only ones that were going to take possession. And finally, when we get to chapter 18, you're going to see Joshua kind of getting on their case, saying, why aren't you guys going in to possess the land? Your brothers have taken their land. Why are you sitting around with your mouth open and your eyes pop-popping? Get to it. God has given it to you. Go take the land. And he had to kind of upbraid them a little bit to get them to go do that. And so, let's go back to verse 1. It says, These are the areas which the Lord, uh, which the children of Israel inherited in the land of Canaan, which Eleazar the priest, Joshua the son of Nun, and the heads of the fathers of the tribes of the children of Israel distributed as an inheritance to them. And notice, their inheritance was by lot as the Lord had commanded by the hand of Moses for the nine tribes and the half-tribe. And the half-tribe is what tribe? Manasseh, right? Manasseh, there was a half-tribe on east and west. Manasseh was kind of divided in half, the half-tribe of Manasseh, right? So they each had their different size. And you can see in the map that I have up on the screen, you can see that on the west side of the Jordan, uh, up there just uh, halfway between uh, Galilee and the Salts, uh, the Dead Sea, on the uh, west side, you see Manasseh, and then up there uh, from the, on the right side or the east side of the Jordan River, 
beginning at the bottom part of uh, the Sea of Galilee on upward toward Mount Hermon and to the west, or I'm sorry, to the east is the other half tribe. So notice it was by Lot that they did this. And according to Jewish tradition, Lot is really just uh, having, like, showing straws and, and casting, you know, some kind of chance, uh, using straws and maybe breaking them off and uh, our sticks. And you pick the one, you know, if you pick the shortest one, then, then you get the next lot of land. That's the kind of the idea. And what they would do is often, tradition has it, that they would take a name of a tribe and they would stick it in one urn, and then they would stick the boundary lines of a specific territory in another urn, and they would literally take in and put their hands in both urns, pull out a, a tribe name, and a boundary name, and that they would get that. Uh, that tribe would get that boundary. And so that's how they, we believe that they did this, or something similar to that. And the interesting thing is, is that God was in control of all this. What seems like chance to man are things that are divined by God. He knows exactly. In fact, in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 33, it says this. It says, The lot is cast into the lap, but it's every decision... Is from the Lord. So we can cast lots here today. Uh, which person gets the new Lamborghini parked out front here in the snow? We can cast lots tonight. We can put in all of our names in a little bowl, and we can uh, put my name in like 80 times, and everybody else gets one time shot. And then we put our, our hand, we mix it all up, right? And the odds are in my favor. And so you put your finger in there, you pull out her name, and you say, oh, Sarah Casella got the Lambo. It fits her so well, too, because it's red and it's convertible. In the summertime, that'd be really great. But that's the idea. See, God knew before we even did that that she would get the, the Lamborghini. And he knew that she could handle it. Unlike myself, I'd probably smash it. But see, it puts that verse into relief, doesn't it? The lot is cast into the lap, but every decision is from the Lord. God, even in these somewhat human chances that we use to be fair, which is really what Joshua was doing, is it wanted everything to appear fair. But even in the casting of lots, God is very involved in the process, and he gets his way. It's no fair, is it? But he's just. He's just. In fact, uh, in Numbers chapter 26, you don't have to write this, or write this reference down, but let me just read it to you, because now they're going to be uh, casting lots for these different things. And in Numbers chapter 26, specifically in verses 52 through 56, we see the Lord uh, speaking to Moses concerning how the land was to be divided by lot. Let me just read it to you. Uh, and so and then the Lord spake to Moses, verse 52, saying, To these the land shall be divided as an inheritance according to the number of names. To a large tribe you shall give a larger inheritance, and to a small tribe you shall give a smaller inheritance. Each shall be given in its inheritance according to those who are numbered to, of them. But the land shall be divided by lot. And that seems kind of funny because, you know, there are certain tribes that were bigger, and, and we know in... Um, in other parts of the Bible, it gives the, uh, the, the, the number of the people for each of the tribe. There was a census that was taken, and so it's very easy to figure out the largest tribes. But God, just to be fair, he still allows the lot to be cast, and he's involved in that lot. And every, every picking of the name, he's involved in that process, unbeknownst to us most of the time. 
It says, uh, the Lord, uh, so to a large tribe you shall give a larger inheritance, to a small tribe you shall give a smaller inheritance. Each shall be given its inheritance according to those who are numbered by them. But the land shall be divided by lot. They shall inherit according to the names of the tribes of their fathers, according to the lot their inheritance shall be divided between the larger and the smaller. Between the smaller. You can also look at Numbers chapter 35, beginning in uh, verse 50. Through 54. And the very borders, the very borders of this inheritance is different from the borders that ultimately. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Joshua. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester Sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play and Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.